I've never been so tired in my whole life. Welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The broadcast where women are... (laughs) We're two witches. The podcast where two witches are bad... What was it? Belfast. Bad Belfast bitches. Hell yes, boys. Murder kit. We got a murder kit. But, uh... Welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast, the podcast where two ladies play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. This podcast also covers sensitive topics. As such, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, my bad Belfast bitches. Welcome, my hoes. <laughs> Welcome, fellow wheelies and crangies. It's Jen and Emily. My name is Emily. Hi, <laughs> I'm Jen. Just kidding for you new listeners. My name is Jen. And my name is Emily. I know, we took you for a... Are you confused yet? We tricked them. Haha, <laughs> prank job! <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's uh I'm tired of what the hell is happening to me. That's what? like you every day. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> well, how was your week? My week was really good actually. I got a lot of things done, made some progress on some projects I'm working on. Ate pizza one of those days. That's always great. <laughs> Can't complain about a week where you get pizza. Mm. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? We went to karaoke. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I've never been to karaoke. I hadn't either until we went. And it was fun. Yeah. Would you do it again? I'd do it again. That's good. Mm-hmm. Bring you with me next time. I know that uh, Victoria also likes karaoke and she's been trying to get me out uh, with her because I guess they have some good ones up in Edmonton. Calgary's where it's at. Yeah? We're gonna go party! Hell yes. Woo-woo! You know it, dog. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom? We're going party. Oh. Sorry, Emily's mom. (laughs) (laughs) But that's good. It's good to keep busy. Yeah. What'd you do? I was working. And then... What happened to me? I don't know, just busy on the road. I took Andrew for a guilt trip. <laughs> a guilt trip? Where? <laughs> a guilt trip? To, uh... To Guiltland? To Guilty McGee? Well, cause, like... Here's what happened. <laughs> we were staying in a place that doesn't have, uh, potable water. So basically the water is undrinkable. Right. And... You either drink water out of coolers or you buy your own water. So I problem solved and I bought myself a two liter bottle of water. Mm-hmm. I had it hiding in my room and this man finds it and chugs the whole thing. Why? I don't know. I was like, Why how are you this water? thirsty? <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why you did this and I was like 
I guess I'll just die. <laughs> I guess I'll just be dehydrated for the next three days. I took him for a little guilt trip. Fun for me, but I felt bad after, so. <laughs> it's okay. Everything's normal now. <laughs> I, f- I got water again, and that's what matters. And that's how Emily Lawrence died. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Dehydration from not drinking a two liter Dasani. Dasani. <laughs> 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 well, I see you've got another Dasani there. <laughs> I'm a collector. A Dasani collector. I've acquired a collection of Dasani. Do you want to see my Dasani room? Do you want to see my rock collection? <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Did you listen to the last episode? If not, you're probably very confused. Because it's a wall of dick. <laughs> <laughs> also, Also, you're a witch. You're a witch. No, I was blessed by a witch. You're a witch. You're a witch. You're a witch. No, you're a witch. Aw, um, thanks, girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's answer some questions. I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. Uh, for new listeners, we uh, we spin spin a wheel and answer a couple questions at the beginning of each episode. Uh, what kind of cult would you start? Hmm. Oh, for sure, a vegetarian one that somehow also includes eating sushi. I would start a cult dedicated to... See, it would be... I love pasta. So I would make... The Pastafarians. The Pastafarians. There we go. That's my cult. Please follow the Pastafarians on Instagram. We really need new members. (laughs) So far, it's just a party of one. Hills, yeah! <laughs> Spin the wheel, girlfriend. I didn't even ask what cult I would start. Oh, what cult would you start? Um. A video game cult. Because that would be fun. What kind of, Any video games or just like. Nintendo. S- mm, I think that, that cult already exists. Probably. I think I'm already <laughs> a part of it. <laughs> Uh, would you rather be an elf or a hobbit? Probably an elf. But that means you live a long time, so who knows. Hmm. I'd be an elf, because pointy ears are better than hairy feet, I think. Well, and you're already dating a hobbit, so. That's true, so we gotta balance it out. Maybe I'll be a hobbit, so we could, you know. <laughs> be a cute couple. Yeah. My, there we go. My boyfriend's a hobbit, so I have to pick hobbit, because that way we match. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would really like to pick Elf, but it's just not in the cards. <laughs> it's not meant for me. <laughs> I live that Hobbit life, yo. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think at the end of the day, though, I'd probably pick Elf. Still, just because I'm already short, and I wouldn't <laughs> don't really want hairy feet, so I would rather go the opposite direction. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Mm-hmm. Alright, what are we talking about this week, Emily? This week is medieval crimes. Ow, ow! What's our description for medieval crimes? Are you just going to give us a description of, like, Europe? (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Who guessed it? Not as funny as our Irish episode. (laughs) I'm going to describe to you what Irish people are. (laughs) Because you guys are dumb as rock. Leprechauns <laughs> still kills me. I can't help but laugh. I don't know why that's so funny. 
I don't know, man. It just is. Gonna go out and find some leprechauns. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much, yo. As for our description, though, for medieval crimes, we have, in the history of Europe, the Middle Ages, or medieval period, lasted from the 5th to the 15th century. It begins with the fall of the Western Roman Empire and merged into the Renaissance and the Age of Discovery. The Middle Ages is the middle period of the three traditional divisions of Western history, the uh, classical antiquity, the medieval period, and the modern period. The medieval period is, is itself subdivided into the early, high, and late Middle Ages. And that is our description. Here we are. No longer in medieval times, thank fucking God. <laughs> We've time-traveled away from that almost. Because that was a close last one. week had a medieval element, and that was... Torturous. It was torturous, and apparently all women are demons, which is something I didn't know before. But now we know. Because knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Read. The more you know. <laughs> Thumbs up. Sometimes, sometimes I look at you and I see one of those people who do children's shows. <laughs> where it's like a human character and they work with puppets. And you just say little blurps like, Knowledge is power! And then you give a thumbs up at the TV, and then it goes like... Future career goals. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Hey, if what I'm doing now doesn't work out, I got that as like a backup. Find me on television. I'll be the new Mr. Rogers. (laughs) Just knock off Mr. Rogers. (laughs) I would love to. He's a legend. Right? Okay. Well, since you started last week, I'll go this week. What was I going to say? Are you going to suggest who goes first? <laughs> I'm suggesting myself, bitch. <laughs> You're like, um, me first. <laughs> Ladies first. Witches first. <laughs> <laughs> my witches and my bitches. <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> and we just threw an iPad at the floor. She tried to throw it at me the other day. <laughs> it's true. That was a thing that happened. Yep. All right. So we're going to talk about Belicia San Giovanni Latino, which is a church. Okay. Um, What happened here over 1,000 years ago is still too horrible to speak of. Uh Uh-oh. This is the church where Pope Stefan V.I.? What is V.I.? The fifth, I think. The fifth put... Uh, the rotting corpse of Pope Formosus on trial in January of 1897. On trial? On trial. That's disgusting. Yep. The trial was called the Cavadier Synod or Synodrius Horendias. Since everything is more colorful in Latin, it ushered in one of the most corrupt eras in history of the papacy, a time that is now referred to in all seriousness as pornocropsy. Mm-hmm. To understand what happened to Pope Formosa's unfortunate corpse, you have to understand the world around him was falling apart. The Western Empire, Charles Magni, had united and had since crumbled into the smaller and smaller factions. 
Little fiefdoms were eyeing Rome's treasures and demanding protection money while the city was still smarting from the Sarcrean sack of 1846. Mm -hmm. Rifts formed within the church as the men who aspired to be pope found they needed the additional strength of one of the many secular leaders to achieve it. The story of the corpse trial actually starts during the region of Pope John V-I-I-I. What is that? Maybe the 11th? Potentially Pope John the 11th. We don't know. Or the 8th. I don't don't know. I don't know that. Roman numeral biznatch. I know like up to four. I just don't get it. I I can read a clock. That's about (laughs) it. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, at this time, Hermosos was Bishop of Porto, the Roman suburb, not the city in Portugal. Mm. He was also a successful missionary known for spreading Catholicism through the burglar kingdom, mm-hmm. but he might have been t- a little too good at his job. Pope John, maybe the 11th, turned on Hermoso <laughs> and accused him of violating a law that prevented bishops from ruling over more than one place at a time. A law that was supposed to prevent bishops from building up their own little fiefdoms, and perhaps more tellingly, John accused Formosos of violating a recently passed law that forbid openly aspiring to the papacy. Formosos was getting a little too close for comfort, so John had him excommunicated. As it turned out, John's paranoia was justified. He was the first pope to be murdered by his own people. At first, he was poisoned, but then, but the poisoner lost patience, waiting for the poison to take effect, and ban and bashed John's head in with a hammer. Oh, nice! After John's death, the Pepsi had such a high turnover rate; it's a wonder anyone wanted the job at all. Mm-hmm. Marianus I succeeded John and reinstated Formosa as a bishop. The following year, Pope Saint. Arden III succeeded Marianus, but barely lasted a year before being assassinated himself. Mm-hmm. Pope Stephen IV, fifth, Pope <laughs> Stephen followed shortly thereafter. The Roman numeral, <laughs> the V. What is the V? I'm pretty sure that's five. Pope Stephen V followed. Why do they have? Why don't they just come up with new names? Why do they all have to be Pope Stefan 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5? Can somebody please explain this to me? I don't know. I don't know. Emily, give me answers! I have none! (laughs) Get out of here, then! I've run out of answers! Get the fuck out! I hit my quota for fun facts for the day. (laughs) Useless. I know. Anyways, so Pope Stefan... The maybe fifth. Maybe the fifth. Followed shortly thereafter. Finally, in 1891, it was Formoso's turn. He managed to hold on to the Pope... Pope-ness? The Pope job? The Pope job? For five turbulent terms after dying of a stroke. His successor, Boniface V.I., was elected quickly to... Uh, to a time of riots and... 
like a bunch of other bad shit going on. Right. But he was an odd choice. He had been defrocked twice for immoral conduct. He only ruled for 15 days before he died of either gout or poisoning again. Oh, probably poisoning. For sure. Probably. Next stop was Pope Stefan V, maybe. Mm-hmm. Less than a year into his popeness, he... <laughs> popeness. <laughs> he gave... He gave the order to dig up Formoso and force his corpse to stand trial for crimes of Pope John, maybe the 11th, had excommunicated him for, seeking the popeness and ruling over more than one place at a time as a bishop. Mm-hmm. Now, Stephen V, maybe, <laughs> reason for desecrating this poor corpse could have been to shore up some political alliances with a faction that hated Formoso, but more than likely it was to cover up for the fact that Stephen was guilty of the exact same thing things he was accusing Formoso of. Formoso had Formoso had made Stephen bishop and Stephen had become bishop of Rome, a title that comes with being a pope, while he still held that post. But if Formoso could be found guilty of that same crime, being a sim- being simultaneously bishop of two places, his actions would be null, and Stephen wouldn't have been a bishop when he was elected pope. Stephen also might have been a- been completely insane. Mm. He did put a dead person on trial. Right. <laughs> That's not something really a sane would do. <laughs> no. So the corpse of Formoso was dragged out, dressed in pope robes and propped up in a chair at San Giovanni Lanterion. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Ironically, poor Famoso's name means good-looking, though by then he was a horrific sight. A deacon was appointed to speak for him, but predictably didn't say much while Stefan screamed at the corpse. Can you fucking imagine this sight? That sounds ridiculous and terrible. It does. And this poor man's like, I'm supposed to speak for a corpse in court. What the fuck? I'm a deacon. Give me a break. You think I didn't go to law school? (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, do I look like a lawyer? (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) Do I look like a lawyer? I went to deacon school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> At one point, the trial... Uh, yeah, what school do people go to to become popes, priests, deacons? I don't know. The church? <laughs> the school of church? God University. <laughs> I have no idea. At one point in the trial... UOG? <laughs> the University of God? <laughs> Yes. Anyways. At one point in the trial, an earthquake shook the ballista, damaging part of it. But even in the face of this ominous sign, Formoso was found guilty on all counts, stripped of his vestments, and had three fingers he used for blessing on his right hand chopped off. Stephen had him buried on an obscure plot of land, but then, thinking better of it, had dug him up one more time and tossed in the tibber. At this point, the people of Rome had just about enough of Stephen and his corpse trial. A mom threw him out of, threw him in prison where he was strangled in his cell. Later that year, San Giovanni 
Len Torano was nearly destroyed by fire as to rid itself of the whole nasty business. Mm. The next pope, Pope Romanus, annulled all the actions of Stephen, maybe the fifth, but was overthrown in less than a year. His successor, Pope Theodore II, was the only pope for 20 days, yet managed to recover the body of Formoso. His successor, John Ix, oversaw Formoso's reburial in St. Peter's Cathedral. Today, there is still a monument that lists the names of popes buried there. There you can see Formoso's name carved in stone, one of the last vestiges of the cadaver synod. Weird. Yeah. That is weird and insane. Oh my goodness. Fucking insane. They put a they put a dead person on trial. Like literally dug him up, sat him in a chair. I was gonna say I in thought, a courtroom. I thought I've done some crazy shit in my life. I have never put a, a dead person <laughs> on trial. That is not something I've done yet. There's still yet. time. Yeah. There's oh my still God. time. Okay, great lady. <laughs> What's your story? (laughs) So I have five official accounts of murders that took place in the city of Oxford at the turn of the 14th century. When an unexplained death took place in medieval England, a royal official known as a coroner would be responsible for finding out what had occurred. Often these deaths were caused by violence and the coroner would swear in a jury made of local men to provide answers about how the victim died who uh, was the accused, and what became of that person or persons. So by the 13th century, records were being kept in the coroners, and some of these have survived to the present day. One should keep in mind that the official records are supposedly the result of an investigation done by local men. So we don't know how thorough they were, what biases they had, or even if they were just simply guessing on the events they describe. So the coroner's records below are from uh, Oxford, an important city in medieval England that was home to the country's first university. These five cases, dating from the late 13th and early 14th century, reveal that homicides and other acts of violence could start in many different ways. These are the translations of actual records, and one should note that the records are always a little different, sometimes including particular details about the crime in the investigation, and sometimes not. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the death of David de Trempethoe on December 22nd, 1296. Wow, that's an old dude. That is, that, his bones are dust at this point. Yep. So, it came to pass on a Saturday, the morrow of St. Thomas the Apostle. Oh, here's another thing too. I'm about to get real medieval up in here. This bitch about to be medieval, you, medieval, you footlookers. What a throwback. Kills you. Bunch of fen-sucking footlookers. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Da, 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 da. So, basically I'm gonna sound like a really old book. It came to pass on Saturday, the morrow of St. Thomas the Apostle, in the 25th year of King Edward, that a clerk named David de Trempetwe died in his lodging, where he abode towards the east gate of Oxford. And the same day he was viewed by Adam de Spalding, coroner of Oxford. He had a wound with a long knife under the left breast, very deep. An inquest was held thereon the same day before the said coroner by means of the four neighboring parishes, to wit, St. Peter's in the East, St. Mary's, St. Mildred's, and All Saints, and the sworn men in the said inquest say upon their oath that on the Sunday next after the feast of St. Nicholas and the said David, 
on the hour of curfew, took a harlot named Christina. Christina? A harlot named Christina. (laughs) I hope that's how people refer to me. Yeah, this harlot over here. Uh, Of Worcestershire. Don't worry, that is how people refer to you. Oh. Okay. (laughs) You're like, shh, don't worry about it. (laughs) That thing you're suggesting? It's the truth. (laughs) Yeah, so, with him, even to a street called Soclusterate, and entered one of the schools, and there certain clerks, whose names are unknown, came upon him, who were lying in wait for the said David, and made an assault on him. And so in that assault he was wounded, whereof he died on the Saturday aforesaid. And so he lived for twelve days, and had all the church rites, and never after could it be found out who were guilty of his death. Hmm. So to summarize... He was seen with the whole name Christina... But then no one knows how he died or who did it. Are you from New York now or something? Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Basically, David took a hoe named Christina out for a walk somewhere where he was stabbed and probably robbed, and that's how he died. And Christina was like, Ah, oh, no, I gotta run away. I gotta be at the medical center tomorrow at 9 a.m. And open up my pizza shop. Sorry if you're from New York, R.I.P. I was gonna say, you're so insulting. I know. I'm sorry. I love New York. <laughs> she does. She wants to live there. I heard when I was in New York last time, I heard someone say, Sorry? What do you mean, sorry? Sorry doesn't pay for my fucking medical bills. It's and true. it's lived with me. You say it all the time. It's lived with me. <laughs> it's like the most New York sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm just waiting to hear the most Canadian one. I probably have heard it and didn't even realize. You probably said it and didn't even realize. I probably did. (laughs) But yeah, so that was poor David. And now we're on to the death of John Lawrence on April the 22nd of 1297. It came to pass on Monday before the feast of St. George the Martyr in the 25th year of King Edward that John Lawrence died in his lodging, where he abode, in the parish of St. Peter in the Bailey. And the same day he was viewed by Adam de Spalding, coroner, and he had no wound, but he was grievously beaten throughout his whole body. An inquest was held thereon the same day before the said coroner, by means of the four nearer parishes, to wit, St. Peter's in the Bailey, St. Michael's North, St. Martin's, and all saints. And all the sworn men in that inquest say upon their oath that on Palm Sunday, a clerk named David de Northampton, when it was late, was in the street over against his lodging, where he abode in the parish of St. Michael North. Beneath the north wall of the town, as he was walking, he was saying his prayers and orisons, and the said John Lawrence came there, meeting him, and to cause a strife pushed him with his shoulder once and again. And the said David asked him to leave him in peace, and so entered his lodging, and immediately the said John came to the door of the lodging and smote upon it twice. And the said David came forth with a staff and smote him on the head, so that he fell to the earth, and beat him with a staff on the shoulders and the back, and the reins, and throughout his whole body, whereof he died on the Monday aforesaid, and so he lived through fifteen days, and had all church rites. 
However, meanwhile, the said David was summoned before Master John Baloyau and the time commissary of the Chancellor of the University of Oxford, and the said John Lawrence likewise, and by inquest held thereon before the said commissary, both parties were sentenced to prison. And while they were in prison, concord was made between them by the council and the said commissary, and they were both delivered by him from prison. And immediately the said David went away from the town, so that he was never afterwards seen or found therein, nor could anything at all be inquired or found about his goods. Basically, a guy was walking outside praying, and another guy picked a fight with him, and didn't like that this guy didn't want to fight with him, so then he beat him to death. And he went to prison, and then they forgave him, and told him that he had to leave the town and never come back. So he did. Do you love all this eloquent speak? I do. Varum smote on the head. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, No Fear Shakespeare, where, like, you read the Shakespeare version, and you're like, ah, how poetic, and then you read the, like, normal speak side, and you're like, no, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was going on before. Too wordy. Some things didn't make sense, but now, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> the death of John Burial uh, on September 19, 1298. It came to pass on a Thursday. All right, guys. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> We're about to talk about John... Burial. It came to pass on Thursday after the exaltation of the Holy Gross in the 26th year of King Edward that John Burial died in the town gale about the hour of curfew and on the Friday following in the morning he was viewed by Adam de Spalding, coroner, and he had a mortal wound on the crown of his head six inches long and in depth reaching to the brain and on the forehead another wound but not mortal you see it's all in graphic detail too but just sounds so nice yeah it does right you're like oh how lovely oh wait he's dying oh <laughs> dying <laughs> death tune in next week to find out <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Just kidding, don't worry. We get to find out about his uh, brain and how that's doing. It's falling out of his head. Yeah. FYI. By the way. And on the forehead, another wound, but not mortal. An inquest was held there on the same day before the said coroner by means of the four near parishes, the four that I read before, and all the sworn men that in the inquest say upon their oath that the said John Burial on the said sa uh, Thursday was at a beer tavern late at night at the house of Thomas de Staunton and other clerks from Ireland, the one Nicholas de Ullery, a clerk from Ireland, and the one John de Suffolk, with certain other clerks, were sitting in the same house drinking in a fellowship apart and not with the others. At length there arose a strife of words between the said parties, so all went forth from the house in contention, and immediately after they came into the street, John Burial drew his sword and uh, instantly assaulted the said Nicholas, and he, as best he could, fled away, raising the hue. And likewise, John de Buffolk... <laughs> de Buffolk? Buffolk. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, there we go, guys. You were all waiting for it. It happened. <laughs> and the said John Burial ever pursued them with all his might with his sword drawn, and would have killed them. And the said Nicholas, seeing that he could in no way escape the peril of death, drew his sword, and repelling force by force in self-defense, lest he should be slain, he smote the said John Burial on the forehead, but not mot uh, mortally. And nonetheless, the said John attacked the said Nicholas, 
with his sword more violently, swiftly, and bitterly than he had done before. And when he would and should have slain the said Nicholas, there came John de Suffolk with a hatchet called a sparth, which he had in his hand. He smote the said John Burial on the crown of the head, so that from the wound he died, as foresaid, and once by reason of the hue had the, that had before been raised by the said Nicholas, a multitude of people came up, and so all were secured and imprisoned, and there John Burial died, as aforesaid, and afterwards the said Nicholas before H. de Branson and I. Uh, Nerimnurit, justices assigned for the gale delivery at Oxford, and was delivered by a verdict of the district, and John de Suffolk, before the same justices, was convinced, uh, convicted of the murder by the verdict of the district, and because he was a clerk, he was delivered to the Bishop of Lincoln. Yes, so basically, John was at a bar with his friends. There was other people at this bar. Something happened. They got into fights, and it led to a sword fight. As it, as it does. As, you know, the natural progression of things when you go out to a bar. Of course. Right. Doesn't everyone bring their sword? I mean, I do. My samurai sword. But yes, so that was the death of John Burial, and I've got, I think, two more left. So, the death of Philip Port on March 8th, 1305. It came to pass on Monday after the feast of St. Gregory Pope in the 23rd year of King Edward that Philip Port of Westwall was found dead in the parish of St. Peter in the east about the ninth hour between the north wall of the town and Richard de Cantbrig first found him dead and at once raised the hue. And the same day he was viewed by Ralph de Hampton and John Farcres, who had been chosen in the presence of the mayor and the bailiffs to view him, because the coroners of the town by the king's writ were at that time gone to the king's parliament. And the, and the said Philip was wounded in the front of his head from one ear to the other, so that his brain was scattered outside, and he had another wound across his face to within the teeth, four inches long and one inch wide. His right hand was cut off and laying beside him, and as it seemed to all that were there, he had been wounded on the head with a hatchet, called in English a sparth. Uh, and the same day an inquisition was held before the same Ralph and John, by the oath of Robert de Willoughby, blah, blah, blah. Basically a lot of men's names swore oath to this. A lot of dudes were like, hills, yeah, that happened, bro. Yep. Uh, and all the said jurors say upon their oath that John de Burden of the county of Lancashire in Cabald Street on the Sunday last, uh, late in the dusk of the evening, came to the lodging where said Philip abode in the parish of St. Peter in the east, and he was in his chamber, called him, and asked him to come up with him to a beer tavern, promising that he would give him some drink. And he came out and went with him. The John, after drinking, withdrew, and so Philip began to go towards his lodging after curfew. And when he came to the corner under the wall towards East Gate, five clerks, whose names they know not, made an assault on him. And he would have fled for them, but he, they followed him and caught him and wounded him on the forehead, and slew them, and at once they fled. And they say they know not the names of any of them, nor where they dwell, but they say certainly that John de Burden was the principal cause of his death, and that it was thought through him that the five clerks committed the said felony. Pledges of Richard the Finder that he will appear before the judges when they come into those parts for the next assize are Adam de Essex and Hugh de Burton. Wow. Basically, <laughs> Philip 
was at home, and one of his friends invited him out to a tavern. Because he's a bad Belfast bitch. You know it. And he was there hanging out with his friend, and then at some point he decided he wanted to go home, and some people followed him from the bar and uh, killed him with a hatchet. Lovely. Yeah. And lastly, I've got the death of Thomas de Weston on June 26th, 1306. So, it came to pass on Saturday, the morrow of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. I feel so eloquent. I need a long, white wig. Here. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She's wearing a long, white wig. It's very curly. She's got the the lipstick. Yep. It's very beautiful. Wish you guys could see. (laughs) The morrow of the Nativity of St. John Baptist in the 34th year of the reign of King Edward that Thomas de Weston Hayward of the Abbot of Ons- Ossene. Ossene. I, this is supposed to be English. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to speak English. That's also a problem. Whose fault is it? That's still mine. <laughs> uh, died in the grange of the said abbot at Walton near Oxford at the ninth hour. And on the Sunday next following in the morning, he was viewed by John Weath, King's coroner of the town of Oxford, and he had two wounds on the top of his head, in length, each of them four inches and in depth to the bone, but not mortal wounds. And he had another wound in his back close to the spine, on the right side with a small arrow, and it was one inch in breadth, and reached to the heart, and it was mortal. And immediately thereafter an inquest was held thereon before the said coroner, by the oath of a lot of men, and all the said jurors... <laughs> Some dudes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, say upon their oath that on the Thursday preceding late at night, the said Thomas de Winton went to the meadows of his lord towards Godstow, as he was wont to do by day and night, lest any mischief should be done in them. And so he tarried there until the hour of midnight and began to return towards his lodging where he abode in the said grange. When he came to the entering of Walton, wishing to go towards his lodging aforesaid, there came Lewis de Marcia, John de Peakforth, Ford, and Henry de Sutton, clerks and others with them whose names are unknown, bearing swords, bows and arrows, and other arms, and met the said Thomas and at once assaulted him. And John de Peakforth smote him with a sword and gave him the wounds on his head. And Thomas, seeing that he was in peril of death, by the greatest effort escaped from their hands and fled from them, as he was fleeing Lewis, who had a strung bow in his hand, shot him with a small arrow, in the back, even to his heart, whereof he died at the hour aforesaid, but had all of his church rites. They say also that the said Henry, Henry de Sutton was in their company and consenting to the deed, yet did him no evil. The bailiffs are commanded to secure the said Lewis, John de Peakford, and Henry de Sutton, if they may be found and keep them safe until the king's justices shall visit these parts. So basically... <laughs> He was going out to the Grange, which uh, is just another way of saying kind of like a wheat field, almost. So he was just checking to make sure there wasn't any rabble-rousers hanging out in his field. Rabble-rousers. Until about midnight, and then he was heading back to his house, and some guys with swords and bows and arrows decided to take him out. Probably theft. They wanted to steal shit. As people are wont to do. And that concludes my medieval medicinal crimes. Medieval crimes. Crims. Medieval crims. My med crims. The meds. Alright, I think it's time to bring the wheel out again. Where's that wheel of ours? 
What's the most ridiculous fact that you know? I know a few. But, like, as for one that I can just pull out of, you know, my ass, there's, a like, a giant squid's eyeballs are the same size as a basketball. Fact. Emily is a foot licker. No. I ne- <laughs> I've never licked a foot. I really don't like feet, if we're going to be honest. Bears. Beats. Battlestar Galactica. Fact. Black bears are the best bears. <laughs> there we go. No, you have to get pick a real fact. You're eating gummies, right? Those have gelatin in them, which is made from boiling bones. It's the residue that comes from that. That is a fact. That is a fact. It's delicious. It's disgusting. <laughs> if you could detach one body part, which one and why? I would detach my right arm because I always try and like lay mm-hmm. on there and it's actually I would detach my boyfriend's right arm because <laughs> it always gets in my way. <laughs> His right arm because fuck him. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like I would want to either detach my nose cuz I hate bad smells with a passion, especially garbage or, like, bottled cans. Ugh, bottled cans are the worst. It literally makes me want to throw up. Or, I would detach my uterus for obvious reasons. Yep, that's fair. Alright, guys, we're spinning for our topics now. You can spin him. (laughs) Alright, next week's episode is going to be... Small town crimes. Woo-hoo! Stole the reveal from you. What? <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, that'll be a fun one. I'm excited. Yes. Woo-hoo! But I think that pretty much concludes our uh, this week's episode. I don't know. You got any more thoughts about medieval crimes? I'm really glad we don't live in the medieval times. Me too. One, because obviously I'm a witch. I like running water. Yeah, that too. I love indoor plumbing. I don't, I don't want to pee in a hole, number one. <laughs> There's many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. More than I could ever possibly count. But you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, but please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out, and... You'll get a gold star on your forehead magically because I'm a witch. <laughs> if you give us five stars, <laughs> I am a sorcerer. Anything goes. <laughs> you will get gold star. Jen will promise. <laughs> We're just magical. I'm I'm magical. What can I say? Right? Uh, you can also send us an email at wheelofcrime at gmail.com. Or follow us on social media at Wheel of Crime on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yep. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Or he- listen. You will listen to us next week. We, we will talk into a microphone. <laughs> next you will, week. <laughs> and you will hear next week. <coughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.